Crosscast Minicast. Welcome to this minicast. I am Philip. I have Adam here. I am here. And this is a minicast that we're putting together to kick off the second part of the Spiritual Warfare series. Right, because we took a break through the end of last year. Correct. So we had personal things going on. And like we said before, we did not want to compromise the content. So this subject that we're looking at tonight, Revelation chapter 12, it's a fairly short subject. It does tie back into things that we talked about in prophecy. And this is a really good spot to insert this passage because it speaks to spiritual warfare that's happening around us. Well, around us futuristically, prophetically, heavenly, spiritually. Yeah, and it's very pivotal, especially whenever you're looking at the tribulation period. And to have some of the tactics here and the motive of the enemy, it just really makes sense. Again, coming out of Satan and then demons and then now this war right here where we see the clashing of the war between God's angels and Satan and his angels. But without further ado... We're going to get into Revelation chapter 12 in its entirety in this mini cast, and this will lead into the next full episode of the Spiritual Warfare series, Angels. So we're going to start off with the first six verses. So Revelation 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child... She cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars from heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So here these first six verses of Revelation 12 have a list of characters, of beings that are going to play a role in the prophetic scene. And again, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and this is real spiritual warfare that we're leading into. So I want to kind of break some of these individuals down, if you will. And the first thing that we see in verse 1 is a great sign in heaven. And then it talks about a woman clothed with the sun, a moon under her feet, uh, on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So I want to say right out of the gate, there was an event that occurred on September 23rd, 2017, out in space, observable with telescopes, a constellational alignment that really fits into this description right here. Now, the purpose of this episode is not to unpack all of that, go through all those things. I'm telling you, it's interesting. I highly recommend you go look at September 23rd, 2017, Revelation 12 constellational alignment do a search, something like that. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube or just the internet, what have you. And I think it's very compelling. And I don't think that's an accident. And I personally believe that is put in the sky by heaven. And that is a sign that the prophetic scene is real. But however, I personally do not view that event as the fulfillment of Revelation 12, because there's some out there that believe that, was it being fulfilled? I think it's more of a pre-filament than the fulfillment. Well, and also whenever the Bible says stars in reference to angels, we talked about this, how stars is a, a word used to mean angels in the Bible and especially in this passage, but it does not mean that it has to be a literal alignment of stars in the physical sky. So the reference to spiritual stars being angels does not have to directly correlate to physical gas-burning stars in the universe. Absolutely correct. Yeah, stars uh, reference beings in the heavenlies, uh, heavenly bodies. Right. And it also, like you said, talks about creatures. In this case, we're talking about fallen creatures. 
and we'll get to that. So the 12 stars, um, a lot of eschatologists, theologians believe that these 12 stars represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Right. Because the woman is Israel, the 12 stars of the woman, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the woman that is giving birth to a child, the child is a male child, and it's Christ. So, of course, we know that Jesus Christ is a Jewish Messiah. He came through the Jewish lineage, and he has the rightful possession of David's throne. He fulfilled the law. Again, he was a Jewish man whenever he came to the earth the first time. So we have that fulfillment whenever Christ came to the earth. And then, of course, we know that the dragon in this passage here, it's already told for us in Revelation that that is the devil, Satan. We did the episode Satan, went through the many names that he has. And then, as you just mentioned, a third of the stars were drawn by the dragon's tail. We call those demons, or we call those fallen angels, the ones that rebelled with Lucifer in heaven whenever he convinced a third of the heavenly angels that he could actually overthrow God. So he drew those down with him whenever he fell. Right. And we talked about that in demons, how they don't look decrepit. They're still beings of light. So they're still considered stars. They're not, you know, they're not darkened stars. They're not shining in black. They still shine brilliantly, just like every description you you see of Christ and of angels. They are still the same glorified body, just not serving God any longer. Yeah, we know that the Bible says that fallen angels are deceptive, that, of course, Satan is the ultimate deceiver, and that he appears as an right. angel of light. Right. So he knows how to appear good. He knows how to appear righteous, and that's part of his program to deceive is, I'm good. I mean, that's what he wants to do. I'm good. Follow me, just like he enticed the angels that followed him whenever he was trying to rebel against God, and those angels believed it, and then ultimately for their demise, thrown out of heaven, and then now we see them here. So what's going on here is a setting up of a battle, a war that the Bible describes that's going to take place in the heavenly realm. And so this is depicting the players at this point. Well, and we also talked about in the past two episodes of spiritual warfare we talked about satan we set up his situation we talked about demons and what they're doing kind of currently and historically and prophetically into the future and so you see them moving here on the planet and you see them moving against christians and against just the human population and that's what we're talking about tonight is them making that move for let's go and take it and we're talking about how the dragon has seven heads and ten horns and that's the beast system. And if you go back to the episodes about Bible prophecy, that is the political system that Satan is in charge of on the planet that he uses to make war with Christ at the return of Christ. So you see everything. You see Satan. You see the demons. You see the political system on the planet he set up. Everything coming into play today to make the move against Christ. And we've already talked about, again, in prophecy episodes, when Christ comes down and does battle them. Right, and we're not there yet in this chronologic order on the earth. We're not to that point where Christ comes back to the earth, which we talked about in the return of Christ, but you're absolutely correct. And to be clear, it says, now a great sign appeared in heaven, and then we're fixing to read verse 7, and it talks about a war broke out in heaven, and this isn't in the throne, the third heaven, because Paul talks about the third heaven. So there's... right. The Bible speaks of three different locations that are referred to heaven, first, second, third heavens. The third heaven is where the throne of God is. Satan's already been cast out, so there's no war going on there. You have the second heaven is the universe, the cosmos. That's where this war is taking place. Then you have the first heavens, or the first heaven is where we breathe air, the clouds, the weather, the birds fly, airplanes, and things like that. So those are your heavens as described in the Bible, and this is happening somewhere out in the universe, out in the cosmos. How close to the planet Earth? I don't know. You know, it may not be that far, maybe in the solar system. I don't know. I mean, we're talking about different dimensions at that point, too. So there is locality to this, and we don't want to get deceived that the casting out of Lucifer has already transpired. There's no more struggle there, so we don't want to confuse it with what has already happened and is done. This is something 
That is God beginning to corral all of wickedness, Satan, his demons to the earth for the appointed moment of the return of Christ for that judgment that we've spoke about before. Right. So this is the corralling of wickedness to the planet earth. Which goes in with when we were talking about when Christ said, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the ground that cast down or in Ezekiel 28, when God says to Satan, I cast you to the earth and made a spectacle of you. We're operating right in that time zone. So continuing through Revelation chapter 12, picking up now in verse 7, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So verse 8 here, I think, is where a lot of people kind of find a curve that it's hard to track. In verse 7, it says, The dragon and his angels fought. And then in verse 8, it says, But they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. It makes it sound like up until now, even though they are fallen angels, they've still had a place in heaven. And so it's a little confusing with the wording, but going back to what you're saying about there being three heavens, and you and I speculated about this one time, talking about how you could have had a fallen angel who just said, man, I'm out of here and took off across the cosmos. And what you were just saying a minute ago about God is corralling them in and so you no longer have a place out at that other galaxy you no longer have a place out in the abyss you're all being brought in everybody's being gathered to the courtroom if you will for this judgment yeah it's designed by god an appointed time by god to bring the beings that are required to be there here we're talking about wicked entities for this judgment, this wrath, this war, this reckoning, and it's all in a process. I think that's what we need to understand as Christians who study the Bible is that there is a process unfolding. And not to tangent way out from our topic here, but there's a lot of times where Christians say, why does, and then begin to fill in the blank, Right? why does war occur? Why do innocent suffer? And so on and so forth. All these injustices. Right. God is bringing things to a close in his appointed time and schedule because it's to glorify him. He's in complete control. Nothing is out of his control. We may feel like the earth is out of control, politics, government, economy, our health. is all out of control. Everything's just going crazy, but God is letting things unfold in his time for his glory, and he already foretold it. He's letting us know this is going to happen then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen. And yes, there are bad things for those that are you know, going through those events, but in the end, we know that glory to God when Christ comes back to the earth. Right, and there's a um, Christian artist who wrote a song about that, because in the Old Testament it says, for everything there's a season. And there's an artist who wrote a song, and he says in one of the verses, there's a time for babies to lose their life, a time for murder and genocide, and this too will be made right. And that's what we're talking about here. So we've had a fallen earth under the control of Satan, under the control of demons, which we've talked about. And we talked about the horrible abortion rates um, and that we're slaughtering the young, the way that that serves demonic purposes. And we talked about all this in demons. What you have here is God bringing all of that injustice to one moment. So every time you say, oh, how could God allow? We talked about this. The earth is under demonic rule. 
and is being allowed for a season, like the Bible says. But in this moment, God is bringing it together, bringing it to judgment. And then from this point, you see judgment, execution, and then purification of the planet moving forward. So this is the process by which God is sanctifying the planet. This is the process by which God is purifying our sinful nature so that what comes out of this is a purified, loving eternity with your creator in love and our ability to ruin ourselves and our ability to cripple ourselves and corrupt ourselves is purged from us. And we are found thankful that it was and not feeling like something was taken from us. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I've got no disagreement here. The only thing I want to clarify is that we're not saying that this is how salvation occurs for souls, for people. But what we are saying is that there is a, just as you said, there is a cleansing. There is judgment and wrath to things that are wicked, the fallen creation, the society and the cultures that exist. The only way that people can come to know salvation is through Christ. Right. But, but there's still going to be a reckoning of the systems, the government, the political realms, the social realms, the economic realms. And, and then you get out into the spiritual things that we're not even really involved with of, like you said, the demons that are all over the place that we don't even know where they're at and what they're doing. And they're going to be broke down and destroyed and dismantled. And that's going to be dealt with. Right. And it's really interesting also if you look at the geopolitical scape for just a second. China has a rating system where they rate their people on how good of a citizen they are, how involved they are, what's your credit score. It's a citizen score like mm -hmm. a credit score. And you can be ostracized from being able to do anything based off of your citizen score. That's called a social score. Right. And that is a corrupt government. And you have many other forms of corrupt government. Not to say America's is great. Ours is horrible also. From a Christian standpoint, from what pleases God, our government system is horrible. But what you have previous to this is Satan gathering together all of the world political systems under one system and then God crushing it yep. and starting fresh. So even the geopolitical world will be cleansed. That is perfectly put. Daniel chapter 2, the statue, Nebuchadnezzar's dream interpreted by Daniel and you get down through the statue at the very last kingdom, the revived Roman empire. We talked about this in Daniel. It says, and there was a stone, a rock, not made by a man that came from heaven that crushed the feet, that destroyed the feet. And it's exactly what you said, the 10 toes, the 10 horns, as we read right here in Revelation right. chapter 12, just as what you said, the antichrist controlling all of these political powers across the globe, consolidation of power, Okay, through a technocracy, through this corrupt, evil system that is already in place, but it's still coming together and mushrooming out. And whenever we have this central figure, the Antichrist in control, I believe this event in Revelation chapter 12 that we are reading, where Satan is now thrown down and cast to the earth, and we have this woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Because now the devil has come and he dwells among you and he has a short time. Therefore, he is a wrathful, an angry, destructive, menacing devil who's come down to the earth. And I believe, and this is my opinion, okay, and there's a lot of eschatologists that have this mindset as well. I'm not alone in this. But my opinion is, is that midway through the seven-year tribulation period, we call it the abomination of desolation, the Bible says the abomination that causes the holy place to become desolate. Right. I believe that's whenever Satan will now literally possess the Antichrist, like literally Satan possessed. A lot of people say that person's possessed by Satan. Maybe, but not guaranteed. The person may be certainly possessed by a demon or demons, but that doesn't mean that it's Satan directly. Here, I believe that Satan will indwell this powerful man we call the Antichrist, who will then go into great destruction and war and persecution and 
killing God's people, as we're going to continue to read here in this very chapter. And I believe that's the pivotal moment. It's whenever Satan no longer has access out there. And now, now we've moved into the end game of prophecy, the final three and a half years that we call the great tribulation, which then ultimately leads to Armageddon and Jesus Christ coming back to the planet to judge and make war against this wickedness. Right. Well then also if just a broad stroke over this, you have prophecy that the antichrist will be killed or he will survive a mortal wound. He'll be killed and will come back to life basically, or be resurrected. He will survive though. You could have this moment of he's killed and Satan just steps right into the body and says, Oh, nope. Look at my majesty. Like an avatar, right, or and like a, an android or an AI that now controls and moves a body of some kind, right? But it's Satan, right? And that could be at the moment or just before where he sits on the throne and says, "I am God," making the temple desolate. It could be at the moment where he says, "You know what? Now we're going to do atrocities. Now we're going to hunt down Christians. Now we're going to hunt down Jews. Now we're just going to start killing them." You could see a very strong. Because it's already prophesied that there will be a strong, obvious turn toward evil. We are hunting down anybody who is of God. They're dying. They're running. They're hiding. They are trying to get away from this evil system. And that could be at that moment. Satan comes in, takes over the man, and he's cast out of heaven. He's angry. He's aggressive. Like you said, he has a short time. I've got a short window. What am I going to do? Take them all now. And we know that the time frame fits because of what we read right here in this passage. Satan is confined to the world. Therefore, he inhabits the body of the Antichrist, the most powerful human on the planet, politically, economically, militarily. And then that's how he fulfills and unfolds his attack on God's people. Now, just to clarify, that person was already serving the will of Satan. Absolutely. And being heralded by the false prophet like we talked about. And that's all a conversation that we had back in Prophecy, and you can find that in the Antichrist episodes from last year. But again, everything we talked about there is playing a role here, but tonight we're talking about the war before that war and what sets that moment up. But this is just the behind the scenes that we've already covered and how these things come together and how they play together. Well, it's the spiritual warfare that's beyond the view of your eyes. You can't hear it. You can't see it. Right. And this is where we read in the Bible. It gives us in words that we can read and then understand, oh, that's what's going on. I can't see it, but I'm reading it right here that there's going to be this struggle. And then that's going to lead right into the second part of the seven-year tribulation period. Right. So now we know where this wrath came from, where this entity, where this motivation, where this persecution, this violence, this aggression on the planet. Why did it step up a thousand notches? Oh, we just had the Revelation 12 war. Now, here's the other interesting part about the beginning of this. Back in verse seven, it says, Michael and his angels fought. So you have Satan built up, and I think it works this way in people's minds also. He's the great dragon. He's Satan. He's the devil. Like we talked about in the episode about Satan. He's number two only to God, walking on the great fiery stones, looking down at all of creation. The man's got a platform, and yet Michael shows up and knocks him out of the heavens. God gives power to lesser angels to dominate the devil, and then from what I read of the Bible, God himself casts him to the planet. But even when in doing war with other angels, he is taken. It doesn't say that he dominated Michael and he dominated the other angels. And because he was just mopping the floor with them, God had to step in and cast him to the planet. It says the angels did battle and the demons did not prevail. That's what it says. So you have that moment of These angels were given power and authority, and we talked about this before. We're going to talk about it next episode with angels, how angels can be given power and can be grown or shrunk as they're needed in the moment. But here they are empowered to do a job to take care of the devil and his angels. Right, and this is a perfect 
location in our reading to remind us all that there is no equal footing God versus the devil. Right. And that we're that's what you just said, but just to keep it in one sentence, they're not equal. God is infinitely more powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at once, above everything that's created and all our creation combined to include the devil himself. It's not even close. And this is demonstration of that power that you just described. So here you have Michael the archangel taking care of this business. No problem, because God said so. Right, and anything the devil and demons do have to revolve around manipulating what God created. It's always manipulation, just like with science. What are we doing with genetics? We're trying to manipulate genetics to achieve something. That's the way the devil operates, manipulation. God operates by speaking it into existence, and you can't manipulate your way around that. The devil and the fallen angels are not allowed to do whatever it is that God forbids at any point in time. Exactly. They are confound to only do what God allows. And it's all going to end up to God's glory whenever he judges and throws these entities into the lake of fire. Again, tonight's episode is not about why does God allow the devil to do what he does. The short answer is, is that it's all to his glory in the end. We can just leave it right there. But I believe there's some excellent discussion and theology in that, but that's not for this episode. So I don't want to chase that too far down the road. But the short of it is, is that God's in control and there's no struggle and God's not about to lose the throne. And we're not hoping that God, you know, can pull this one out. Everything's firmly in his plan and in his will and in his timing to his glory. And that's what we need to be reminded as we start getting into these things that we're reading about in the book of Revelation. Right. That everything happening is in God's timetable. So God established at the beginning of the fall of man and the introduction of sin when he pulled away from the planet because he can't be in the presence of sin. Not that it hurts him, but he will destroy it just by his own glory. So anytime you hear somebody say God can't be in the presence of sin, it's not because sin is hurting him. It's because his glory and who he is, it will destroy it naturally out of his control. And he's trying not to do that. Uh, God is holy. So he pulls away from the planet. The devil takes over and he says, well, that's still mine. I'm going to let you play with it for a time. And this is how the plan works. I'm going to set up my people. My people will grow to here. My people will go this many years like this, this many years cast out. They'll get their nation back. They'll go to this. In the meantime, the devil's going to be doing this because I know because I'm God. Here's the timeline that it's all going to work up in. And you're going to wreck shop on my planet for this many years, this many thousand years. And people are going to say, where is God? And then God's going to show up and say, here I am. And all of that is going to be absolutely obliterated in his presence. And we talked about that already in prophecy. It can't stand before him and he removes it from existence with a word. Right. And again, this is prophetic. It's still in front of us, but the world's going to become so desperate that it is obvious that it can only take Christ to prevent what the devil is going to do to this world. Right. Christ himself said, if it wasn't for his timely return, no flesh would survive. Right. And so that's where it's all going to go is to it's going to go up to this brink, this almost obliterated breaking point where everything is just destroyed and annihilated by the devil and then God steps in. So it's going to be I mean, I say it's going to be intense. That's it seems like it's so weak and inadequate to describe where we're headed. And again, Revelation chapter 12 is the beginning moment of that final three and a half years where it intensifies exponentially up until Christ has to come back and stop it. You see, and that's the hardest thing to deal with in your mind, I think, to bring all this into clarity in what we're talking about. I think the hardest part is to talk about how the geopolitical world, the world that you exist in, the stock market where your retirement's tied up in, and the business that you work for, Everything is going to be feeling this, but it's a religious discussion, quote unquote. And in our modern world, the religious things keep that in church and the world operates in the world outside of religion because we've really separated the world from the world of religion. And so you're going to have the world of religion come screaming back into reality and people are going to have to cope with that. They're going to have to deal with how is it that in our modern world of science, 
where we've established that this is how everything came to be. And religion is just something you give to people. There's a religious happening that's changing the entire planet and you have to cope with that. And that's going to really be hard for some people. And that's hard for some people right now, listening to this podcast to put it all together in their head that that could happen. Well, as we look at what happens and unfolds during the tribulation period, especially the second half, you're not going to be able to look upon the world events and then say that happened by chance, you know, talking right. about like, there's no God and we all just happen to come into being by chance, you know, the big bang and then pond scum and whatever else, you know, tadpoles to birds to us, but you're not going to be able to explain these things because we know about the lying signs, wonders and miracles right. and raising back up from the dead from a mortal wound that we just talked about. And so people are going to be wondering, how do we explain why that just happened? And that's going to bring you right back to spiritual warfare. If you understand spiritual warfare, if you have discernment that we talked about the first episode in this series, then you begin to see the why and the how. Right. And then where is it going? And so also another figure that we introduced earlier was the woman. And in the next part, we're going to talk about the woman. But so prophetically, we've talked about this, that the woman is Israel. We established that a minute ago. But it, back in the prophecy series, we talked about how the woman or Israel, the nation, died, ended prophetically, and then came back to existence prophetically within the past 100 years, 70 years, I think it was, 75, something like that. Within 100 years, back in the 40s, Israel just came back as a nation after hundreds of years separated, thousands of years separated. Yeah, 70 AD, Jerusalem fell. 73 AD, the nation ended by Rome. Right. Then the nation came back to birth in 1948. So there you have the woman. And everything you find in the Bible about the woman, you can see in history. For me, that is the biggest thing that secures my faith more than anything else when I can look at prophetic passages about Israel returning from the dead. Hebrew is the only language I think ever that died completely. Nobody speaks it. And now it's a spoken language of a nation and everybody speaks it. It has completely been restored, taken Jerusalem and all those surrounded by its enemies keeps everything that it has. In fact, gives away things to try and make peace and can't find Peace. Why? Because in prophecy, it says you will not have peace. That's why they say, oh, we want a Palestinian state. Israel says, let's make one. And then they say, forget you. <laughs> it's like, it, what? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but you cannot have peace because prophecy says you can't have peace. Why? Because the Antichrist has to show up and bring the peace. So when he brings the peace, people exalt him. When people exalt him, he takes the position that allows him to consolidate the world under one government so that Christ can judge it. But that is the detail that we're talking about here tonight. So even the woman that we're going to read about right now is a character from prophecy that plays a role in the political and in the real world. The stage is set. I think that's the exactly. key. The stage is set. We have all of the players. If I can you know, use that term loosely here, we have... Israel's back. We have Satan being corralled and set up for his entrance onto the earth through Revelation chapter 12 war. We have right. the system, the government. It's ripe for the picking. All this corruption, the technology, all these things. The stage is set. We have all these things here. And now all that has to happen is for the play to begin. The stage is set. Just curtains go up and then we're off to the races. We are that close. And that is what is so compelling that the Bible is true and that Jesus Christ is coming back and that spiritual war is real. Right. And we talked about also this thing that the Satan and the demons, they operate on the planet. And when we we're reading in Daniel 10, how the Prince of Persia stood between the angel and Daniel, Daniel is in Persia and the angel is between him and heaven in the sky. And they're fighting in the sky there. Also they're fighting in, the heavens in space and the cosmos that we're talking about here tonight. So there is this vertical fight. So as you have the antichrist political system set up on the planet, you have Michael and his angels moving down to deal with it. You have Satan and his demons moving up to deal with them into space 
like we're talking about here. I know it sounds really funny to say into space. It sounds like a sci-fi film at this point. Well, it's an easy way to say it. I mean, we're, we're dealing with different dimensions. Right. But into the cosmos. Yeah. But I believe it's out there also. But we're talking about different dimensions. Right. And so you have them here in the second heaven. And like we said, they're being corralled down. They are conquered. There's no longer a place found for them in the heavens. And they are brought to the planet. They get to the planet. And it's off with their heads. Kill them all. I've got a short time, the devil being, has a short time to do what he's going to do. So he's going to try and get everyone he can. We just read that the dragon, the devil, positions himself to devour the child as it comes out. And that the child is taken to God and the woman runs and hides. Right. That leads us right into verse 13. It says, now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is exactly what you just said. Now, we have some details in here. Right. And I just want to address it right out of the gate. It talks about the woman which is Israel. So we're talking about Jewish people that are on the planet during this time in the tribulation period, especially those that are dwelling in Israel proper. They flee out into the wilderness. We read this in Matthew 24 as well. And some people say that there's going to be the mountains of Petra near Jordan, possibly, maybe. It could be somewhere else in the wilderness. Not sure. And then there's these two wings of a great eagle. Some people say, oh, that's the United States lending a hand and assisting right. God's people to flee and, and go out into the wilderness. I don't really subscribe to that interpretation because the Bible does say that he will draw the entire world against the nation of Israel, his people. And whenever the Bible says the entire world, I think that also includes the United States because we're in the world. Well, we're a superpower. Right. We're one of the three largest nations on the planet. We like to think we're the largest, but... Well, it's debatable. Yeah, it's up and down population. between economy and military and everything else. Right, and population growth and all that. So you're absolutely correct. And the point is, is that either way, they're escorted by providential guidance and protection by God that they're going to be allowed an escape. And then this flood, some people believe that the Antichrist is going to cause a literal flood through these valleys. You know, you think about the closing of the Indiana Jones movie of The Last Crusade, they're riding through the little canyons of Petra. And so it's like a flood goes through some canyon like that to go and try to destroy these Jewish survivors out there. Then God does something maybe seismically to close up the canyon. I don't know. And block this flood. There's speculation like that. I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Well, and see, I heard a theory one time that I liked. I really, really liked. I subscribed to it very heavily myself that it could be, It could be, I'm not saying I believe it is, something in the realm of a plague or a biological. Because it says that then the world comes in and swallows up those waters, which could be a medical intervention, a cure for whatever biological attack is released. You know, if they're just somewhere in the ethereal mountains, we don't know exactly where they are. Dude, just dump mustard gas or whatever have you, just all over those mountains, something biological that can take them out, just flood it over there. And then in response, the world comes in and says, oh, this atrocity or this travesty, quick, let's gather them up, give them the, the medical needs, assist them. You see that kind of aid come in all the time because it's weird to me that it says the dragon spews a flood after them, but then the world helps them. When the world, it just said the dragon brings the world against them. It's almost like you have the rest of the world playing two roles. And in the world of a political, everybody's got to play nice. We can't offend anybody. 
here's a pandemic happening. Yes, the world would send in the World Health Organization or whatever you have to assist in a medical situation. Right. It specifically says, but the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So yeah, however you want to take that. I think that it'll be very obvious when it occurs. Some people take it as a literal flood of water. And the literal planet opening up to opening up or something happening where it blocks this flood, causing some sort of dam or something. Um, And then like what you're saying, something else that may be more of a semi-symbolic nature that a flood of an attack went out and then something happened again, providential to protect this remnant. And then the, Last thing that it closes off on, that, of course, that protection given to the woman, to the Jews, enraged the devil. And so what did he do? He went to make war with the rest of the offspring who keep the commandments of God, and here's the key, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I fully believe that in large, this attack, this persecution is aimed at the Jews. Okay? Right. That's very clear in Scripture. I also believe when it says, and speaking of the woman and her offspring, I do believe that that can mean to include what we call tribulation age saints, meaning people who came to Christ. Gentiles. Yeah, Gentiles who came to Christ during the tribulation period, who became born again at that point, and then they are now subject to Satan's wrath. Right. As we said earlier, the woman put forth the child. The child is Christ. Christ came to establish the new covenant and salvation through his atoning death and burial resurrection through the cross. That is part of the offspring. The birthing of the New Testament came through the Jewish lineage and the Jewish blessing and the covenant from Abraham, the law and the the covenant of Moses and through the old covenant. Right. And then we get to Christ, the fulfillment of all of that on our behalf And so those who are partaking of that child, which is Christ, his work, the Antichrist, Satan, is going to be absolutely focused on martyring any who identify themselves as to be a follower of God and and Christians. So it's not only about the Jews. It's largely about the Jews, but it's not only about the Jews and Christians will be persecuted during this time. Well, let me color that up a little bit. So... When Christ left, he left the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, came upon the apostles. They went out to the Gentiles at Pentecost with tongues of fire, speaking, proclaiming to all nations the person and the power and the presence and the story of Christ to bring them to salvation. And that is the first time the gospel went out, is at Pentecost. And from that, you have the movement all the way through history to the modern-day Christian church. You and I sitting in this room with a Bible came from that moment. So it came from Jewish men going out and spreading the word of the Jewish Savior to the rest of the world. Okay, so the Christian movement was birthed out of Israel from Jewish men, from the Jewish God, sent down to everybody else. So that's part one. And part two of this is if, as we discussed back in Bible prophecy, if you had a pre-tribulation rapture and the majority of Christians have been removed from the planet and then Satan is thrown to the planet or even if it was simultaneous or maybe they were pulled out right after that. What you have is Satan left with a situation of there's no Christians. God's already got half of what he wants from this planet. I got to get the other half. Right. Goes after the woman. The woman's protected. Can't get to the woman. Like you said, there's tribulation saints people that have been getting saved in the aftermath because what happens whenever something horrible happens, everyone runs to church. Right. And he says, well, you know what? I can't get to the woman and I can't get to the ones he's already taken, but look at the stragglers. He's not getting these. Right. And that's where we start looking at. They were beheaded for their testimony in Christ. And that includes the rejection of the mark of the beast, the holding to the testimony and proclaiming their faith openly that they are born again and followers of Christ, which is a death sentence in this period of time we call the Great Tribulation. Well, and we talk about that too. I'm glad you said this. The mark of the beast. We've talked about how it makes absolutely no sense in the geopolitical world that refusing a mark should cost you your life. 
It's like refusing to use credit cards and only wanting to use cash. Who can kill you for that? What government has the authority to say off with your head because you don't like RFID chips? You prefer cash? Well, we're trying to go cashless. And because you don't like what we're trying to do with the system, we're just going to kill you. We're just going to take you out and get you out of our way so you quit protesting what we're trying to do. That's why this very thing, what you just said, is why it is a must that an individual needs to look at things from a spiritual point of view right? with spiritual discernment, and then you get it. Then the answer is so clear. That's not confusing anymore. It's like this was foretold from the beginning, and now we know where we're headed and why this is going to occur and how it's going to occur. And we start getting a feel for where we're at in the true prophetic timetable, the true moment in history, if you will, just before the return of Christ. Right. So what this war in heaven that we're talking about tonight really, really does is it takes Satan and everything that he can use in the way of demons and personnel and have you and puts them all on the planet to make the worst case scenario for you and I, but the best case scenario for what God's going to do. To him be the glory. Right. It's a priming war. It primes the planet for the final judgment that initiates, jumping ahead a little bit, initiates the 1,000-year millennial reign before Satan is finally dealt with 1,000 years after this, Right. which we will talk about later. So again, we looked at Revelation chapter 12 in its entirety. We put it in this mini cast, purposely placed it in the middle of our spiritual warfare series, but it is tying back to the Bible prophecy series. And the whole point is, here's what's going on. Here's how spiritual warfare works, how it looks. And then I would say maybe even more importantly for most listeners is here's how it impacts you. Right. This is why it matters. As we step to our next episode, our full episode in the spiritual warfare series, we're going to start looking at angels, their role, their capabilities, how they've been used before in the past with biblical references and description and all those good things. After that episode, then we're going to walk into our personal spiritual warfare. So yes, the Ephesians chapter six, the armor of God that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And this will kind of tie back to when we opened up with discernment, but this is going to get into what we need to be doing, the actual nuts and bolts of our spiritual warfare and how we do that. And then maybe the final episode, I guess the, I don't call it the fun episode, but it's going to be the catch all, the weird stuff, the things that are forbidden to be talked about in the pulpits, the, the stuff, taboo, the taboo stuff, the, the, the ethereal. Yeah. The things that Christians, you know, I guess pastors and like, don't talk about that, you know? Right. And I think this is a great place to start 2020. Like we talked about in state of the cast, we have kind of an up and down schedule this year because of uh, my family needs and because of work needs and everything else. But Starting 2020 off talking about your spiritual warfare, which was the which was the initiating conversation that started the desire for this entire series to talk about how all this affects you. But we had to start off with all these other episodes of like, this is what's going on around you before we can even talk about you. But to start this year off somewhere here in the first, you know, 10% of the year or so of finally getting to this is how this affects you and to set the focus on this is the world around you and this is how it's coming against you. And here's the need for that daily devotion. Here's the need for that daily time with God. Here's the need to have your focus set on being able to discern the world around you, the future events and what's coming for you. I think that episode is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's what started this conversation that and the fact that you and I really want to talk about giants. Yeah. So <laughs> you mean Nephilim? <laughs> exactly. Which would be the taboo episode. That's right. Uh, and I really appreciate going through this series. I appreciate everyone listening and I guess replaying different episodes and, and having those conversations, people that I've come in contact with. It's been wonderful discussions from these, from the series, you know, both prophecy and spiritual warfare and I'll just say this in closing as a note, this episode right here, Revelation chapter 12, 
it was on my mind back in the prophetic series, but like, but you know what? We can't do it here because this is going to tie into the spiritual warfare series. And because there's so much going on that we were going to be referencing it, we didn't want to necessarily double it up. So this is exactly where we wanted to place this episode. Right. And we had a lot of conversations about whether or not to record that episode. Mm -hmm. And once we got into planning this one, you told me, I think it fits in right here. Mm -hmm. And I was a little back and forth and um, pure honesty, just while we're talking about, we recorded this episode once before. <laughs> and the first recording, we had microphone issues and the recording was horrible. And so we said, we can't use that. But I will say that from what that conversation was and the conversation that we just had tonight, this was the one that God would have had us record and put out there. And I'm very glad that we got this one. A thousand percent. Amen. Adam, you just incredibly better. It, it was accidental. It was an accidental thing right. with the microphones. It, nothing broke. It was just a setting. It went to a default deal. But whenever we went through that recording, we went through the whole thing. We thought we were recording accurately or, you know, with appropriate settings. Right. We, we were not. And both you and I, we walked away like, man, that was discombobulated. Did not flow. Tonight we were, you know, we had the benefit of that rehearsal. I guess that's what yeah. you call it. Um, yay name into this. I really appreciate just having the opportunity to do this episode with you. This was a very special episode It was for both series, the prophecy series, the spiritual warfare series. I think you can see why, um, looking at this incredible chapter, the interface between the first half of spiritual warfare and now the second half of spiritual warfare, this is perfectly placed in the middle of this. So it's awesome. I'm, well, I'm really excited about it. And again, starting off 2020, everything we did last year was this buildup. It was here's discernment. This is why you should have it. And here's Satan. This is who you're going to deal with. And here's demons. We have one episode of here's angels, which guess what angels are? They're on your side. Mm -hmm. And then we have an episode about here's how it affects you. And just jumping ahead a little bit, the Bible says that every Christian is guarded by angels. You have 10,000 angels on you. Angels work with you. They serve what God is trying to do in your life. And they're here to help you and defend you and guard you. There's so much going on when we get to that. But from this point, moving through the rest of the series, everything is about how God and how all of this helps you, affects you, benefits you, opens your eyes spiritually to find it. The first half was all kind of precursor. And now in the second half, we're really going to drive home the greater amount of things that you could take out of this group of lessons. So with that, we appreciate you listening to this episode please share it with people that you think would benefit from it. If it's a great conversation starter, maybe help you in some of the Bible studies that you're attending, or even if you're leading Bible studies or something for you to look at with your brothers and sisters in the Lord, man, have at it, share it, keep us in your prayers. We are praying for each one of you all the time. I say all the time, but a lot. Uh, we really pray over this, this whole ministry. And again, we thank you for praying for us. So, Next episode, Angels in the Spiritual Warfare Series. Until then, God bless.